Since the beginning of the human race, the decision that constantly stands in front of every man is this. Don't miss this. God's way or my way? That's it. That's the decision. It's the choice that not only demands an answer from every one of us, but it receives an answer from every one of us. If you say, I'm not going to make that choice, you chose your way. Because God says, is it going to be my way, he says, or are you going to choose your own way? The choice between God's way and our way is what makes us rebellious sinners in God's sight. Isaiah 53 says, We have turned everyone unto his own way. Isaiah 53 is saying that's why Jesus had to die for us, because every one of us chose our own way. The choice between God's way and our way is what determines whether you will spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. If you choose God's way of salvation, you're choosing, you're, I'm sorry, if you choose God's way of salvation by believing on Jesus Christ because he died for your sins, then God forgives your sins and gives you everlasting life. But if you refuse God's way of salvation, you're choosing your own way. Do you get that? If you refuse God's way of salvation, you're choosing your own way. We've all heard people say, well, you know, I just believe God in my own way. You're exactly right. And God says, if you don't choose his way of salvation, you will not see the kingdom of God and you will spend eternity separated from God. And the only place where you can spend eternity separated from God is in the place that he prepared for Satan and his angels. But don't forget, you chose it. We have turned everyone into our own, unto his own way. So, if you're saved, if you've been born again, it's because you consciously chose God's way of salvation. Very important to, to listen to what I'm going to say. In case you say, well, well, pastor, I'm saved and I pretty much know everything you've already said. Okay, but we're on a little destination here, or a little journey. And we're going to get to our destination. And I, so I want you to pay attention to, and this will make sense to you. No one gets saved without choosing God's way of salvation. Now, if you agree with that, raise your hand. No one gets saved without choosing God's way of salvation, all right? No one gets saved without knowing that he's choosing God's way of salvation. No one gets saved by chance. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, uh, Hey, I, I think I'm born again. I, I, I'm not sure how it happened, but I just, I think I'm born again. What do you know? You know that's not, if, if you're a child of God, if you've been saved, you know that's not how it happens. Nobody gets saved by choice. By, by chance, you get saved by choice. If you're a born again Christian, it's because you made the conscious decision to come to God, God's way. You chose God's way of salvation. Instead of your own. Before you got saved, you were choosing your way. 
Well, I just think if, you know, I just think, well, you know, I just think if, you're, if your good works outweigh your bad, I just think a loving God would never send anybody to hell. I just think if you do your bad, I think as long as you're sincere, whatever you, but you can think and think and think. But if it's not God's way of salvation, you're choosing your own way. So I go back to the beginning and I say that the choice for all the history of the human race has been God's way or my way. Okay, pastor, I'm saved. All right? After you're saved, Christian, that's still the choice. It's the choice for the big picture of your life. It's the choice every day of your life. God's way or my way? What are your plans for your life? What are your your dreams? What do you see for your future? Where's your life going to go? You know, you do have control over what direction your life takes. Do you want your life to go in the, the way that God has planned for you? You understand God has a plan for your life. God has a, a path. We, it says in Ephesians 2 that for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. We're the work of God's hands. If you're born again, he crafted you. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has an individualized plan for every believer. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a will for your life. And just like your initial decision of salvation, oh, God's way of salvation or my way, now there's a new decision every day and for the big picture of your life. God's way or my way. You have to determine. You have to look at your own heart and determine, do I really want God's way. There's a whole lot of believers walking around in this world that don't really want God's way. They want God's blessing on their way. They want to follow their plans and get God to wave his magic wand and say, ah, now your plans are blessed. But there's nothing in the Bible that says that that's how it works. Before you can follow God's way, You've got to decide whether you want to follow God's way. And just like with salvation, just like with salvation, we all agree, you're not just going to wake up and say, hey, I've been born again. You're also not just going to wake up someday and say, well, looky there, all this time I've been doing the will of God. No. You will only follow and find God's path for your life if you desire it and seek it and follow it. So you've got to decide before we go any further, if, if this message is going to be a help to you, you have to decide, do I actually want God's way? Am I going to choose God's plan? Am I going to choose what I, the way I, the phrase I like to use is God's best. Because the best thing that you can do in your life is the will of God. The biggest dreams that you can dream and see them come to pass. Don't compare with what God has for you. Can I give you, I don't plan to tell this, but it's something that flashes in my mind when I think of the will of God. 
And I hope this doesn't anger anybody because I'm not picking on the lady. I have great compassion for the lady. But uh, one, of the, one of the tragic, tragic stories, almost a parallel of, of, uh, of the life of Elvis Presley on the female side, is Whitney Houston. Amazing, tremendous voice. Grew up singing in the choir in a church that preaches the gospel in New Jersey. Sang in the choir every week, beautiful voice. And I'm sorry, but you can't convince me that the career paths that she chose were the will of God. You can't convince me that she went to the Lord and said, Lord, show me what to do. Show me what you have for me. Show me. Because the path she chose led her into a horrible nightmare of a lifestyle. And she died tragically just a few years ago. I watched an interview of her at the, at the time. You, you know, when uh, I, I just I, I looked into her life quite a bit when she when she passed away, and I saw some of the clips. I saw an interview that she had with I forget who, some famous interviewer, and she so clearly, you know, was was in the grips of of drugs and, and uh, I mean, she had withered to nothing. She was very, very nervous and shaking and she just, and the interviewer said, what do you want? What's the biggest thing that you want in your life? And here was her answer. This is almost a word for word quote. I want my daughter to be a woman of God. And I guarantee you, as she said those words, she was thinking back to those godly ladies who were praying for her. You know what? As she went around the world, as those dear ladies in that church, I believe it was in Jersey City, in that church, as they heard the stories of heroin and just just horrible things, I, I... I am so sure that they'd get together and pray, not for the big star, Whitney Houston, but for the little girl that used to sing in the choir. And when she died tragically, way too young, they rolled her down the aisle of that same church where she had sung in the choir. I'm saying to you, if she had sought and found the will of God, She could be standing on platforms in large cities in America singing just as I am as people came down the aisle and got saved. Or she could be serving in, you know, big doesn't always mean best. She could be serving in some little country church somewhere and seeing week after week people blessed as she sings and, and people learning how to worship the Lord because they, learned, they saw somebody who gave her talents to the Lord. I'm not standing in condemn, condemnation of, of Whitney Houston. I'm not standing at all. I'm sitting. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not standing here, sitting here to condemn her. I'm sitting here trying to show you the contrast that if you will seek God's plan for your life, it will be bigger than anything you can dream up for yourself. Now, I really didn't set out to sell you on God's plan for your life. 
But I had to a little bit because I had to come to this point where I ask you this. You have to decide for yourself. As we proceed in this message this morning, some of you can take a nap from here on out. Some of you have, some of you have already. Uh, but from here on out, some of you can take a nap, and, but the rest of you need to, to sit up straight and listen carefully to the rest of the message. And let me tell you which group you're in. If you say, I want to do my thing. I, I think what I have dreamed for myself is so much better than what God has for me. Okay? You can take a nap. Just don't snore. But go ahead and go to sleep. Because the rest of the message isn't going to help you if you want to spend your life doing your thing. But if you're in the group that says, I want God's way. I want to follow God's plan. I want to know God's will. I want God's best for my life. Oh, then sit up straight and listen. Because as soon as you decide you want God's path for the big picture of your life and for the everyday decisions, as soon as you decide that, you immediately realize, wait a minute, I can't follow God's path Unless I know what it is. And how do I know what it is? How do I know what God's path is? Now, there's some things in the Bible I know, you know, I'm not supposed to uh, steal. And I can look at the Bible and figure out, all right, God, uh, you know, God doesn't want me doing this or that. He wants me, uh, you know, married to one person for one lifetime. These things are clear in the Bible. Then there's principles in the Bible that makes me uh, makes other things clear. All right, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not smoke weed, but I can look at the principles of the Bible and see, yeah, if I'm going to follow God's way, that's out. All right, there's, there's some things that are clear in the Bible. There's other things about God's way that I can't see and I can't know. And I'm so afraid, listen carefully, I'm so afraid that I'm going to make a wrong turn and blow it. Can I say this just by, before I get to the main point here? If your heart is truly right with God, you will never make one wrong turn and blow the will of God. Now wait, one wrong turn into sin can blow the will of God. I'm not saying, I'm talking about in pursuing the will of God. If your heart stays right with the Lord. And that's a big if, because that takes a lot of focus, a lot of attention. But if your heart is right with God, you are not going to take one wrong turn and blow the will of God. And let me show you why that's true. Listen carefully, because the rest of the message is built on this very simple statement that has guided my life for over 30 years, well over 30 years, 35 years. If you want to do God's will and you're living in fellowship with him, give every decision to him and then proceed in the direction that seems most like his way. And God will take it from there. I want you to get that. It wouldn't be a bad idea to write that down, but more importantly, I want you to get that in your heart. I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to give it to you several times before we're finished as I give you some examples. 
If you want to go God's way and you're living in fellowship with him, give every decision to him and then proceed in the direction that seems most like his way and God will take it from there. So is that just something you made up? No, no, that's something God made up. Ready? You know the verse. In all thy ways, thy ways, thy ways, not his ways, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What does that mean? It means that if you want to go God's way and you're living in fellowship with him, give every decision to him, and then proceed in the direction that seems most like his way. And God will take it from there. Now, there's a very important element in that little formula. And that element is a sincere heart. If, if you're just looking to do your thing and blame it on God, you don't have a sincere heart. Yeah, I want to. I want to be. A, I want to be a rap star. And so I'm going to let God lead me into that. I can tell you this: every day of your life, God's not going to lead you into that. Oh, pastor, I think you're being judgmental. No, I'm just telling you. you if you think your pastor knows God, if you trust that I know the Bible, if you trust that I know even a little bit about the heart of God, God's never going to lead you down that path. I picked that randomly. Let's go. You know, the one I use most often is bartender. I think the will of the Lord is that I be a, you know, I, that I open a chain of taverns. That is not the will of God. I can tell you that. Why? Because the Bible says, Woe be to the man that serves hard drink to his neighbor. Woe. <laughs> now, I know that woe means sorrow. But I would see that if I was thinking that was God's will as, whoa, <laughs> nah, stop. Whoa, horsey. Woe be the man that serves strong drink to his neighbor. That's not the will of God. So you got to have a sincere heart. If you're trying to do your thing and blame it on God's will, there's trouble ahead for you. No, I'm talking. See, because remember the people that don't want to do God's will, they already went to sleep. I'm talking to people who stayed awake because they decided, no, I want to do God's will. I want to find God's way and do it, and I want to give my life to God's best for my life. Okay, you're the ones that are awake then. This is for you, and I'm saying to you, if you want to go God's way and you're living in fellowship with him, give every decision to him. Lord, I've got to make this decision. I'm not sure what to do. There, you gave it to him. You're seeking the Lord on that decision. And then proceed in the direction that seems most like his way. Now that means you've got you to be knowing the Bible. That means you've got to have a habit of living for God. If you have a lifestyle that chooses your way over God's way all the time, like you skip church when your favorite movie is on, like... Well, I don't want to tithe this week because if I tithe, I can't go to that event that I've been wanting to go to. Like, well, you know, I, I, I'm not going to show up for my Sunday school class today because I don't feel like it. 
You're not living in God's ways. You're not putting God first in your life. So don't expect to be able to make a judgment call on what is most like God's way because you're living according to your way. Well, I, you know what? Instead of reading my Bible today, I'm just going I'm just, I'm just to watch uh, some religious show. Uh, you, you're not following God's way. So you're not going to be able to make a call on what seems most like his way if you're ignoring his way on a regular basis. But no, see, I'm talking to people that you sincerely want to do God's will. You sincerely want to follow his way. Is that you? Okay. Then if you want to go God's way in any decision and you're living in fellowship with him, give every decision to him and then proceed in the direction that seems most like his way and God will take it from there. Let me give you a Bible example. David wanted to build the temple. He said, you know, I live in this beautiful palace and the tabernacle, God's tabernacle is over there in a tent and I'm in this big, beautiful palace. And so he called his, his trusted spiritual advisor, a man named Nathan. He said to the prophet, Nathan, you know, I live in this big, beautiful palace and I praise the Lord for it, but, but over there, God's tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, these, these articles of God that represent the presence of God, and God actually comes down and visits the holy place. It's all in a tent, and I'm in Marble Palace. And Nathan didn't even let him finish what his thought. He said, do all that is in thine heart. Wow. So Nathan is saying, David, I see where you're going with that man. Go ahead, build, build a temple for the Lord. Why? Because Nathan knew the Lord. And uh, uh, Nathan sought the Lord every day. Nathan wanted to do thing, God, things God's way. And so when he came to this crossroad and he was there to give counsel to the king, he saw that David's idea was in the direction of what pleased the Lord. According to his wisdom, he used the wisdom that God had already given him to make a decision. And he made the decision. And so David said, oh, great, we're going to build a temple for the Lord. Nathan went home, went to bed. God appeared to Nathan that night. He said, no. He said, David wants to build me a house. He said, I want you to go tomorrow and tell him that's not the plan. The reason was David had been a man of war. Now, it was necessary war. It was not sinful war. It was necessary war. And because there's evil in the world, there is such a thing as necessary war. It was necessary war, but as a result, David was known as a warrior. And God said, I don't want my house. I love David. He is, he is the man after my own heart. I love him dearly, but I don't want my house to be built. By a war. Can I, can, I, can I say this to you? Uh, this is for, for me as well. It's not God's will for you to do everything that there is to be done. There's some things that you can do that I cannot do. There's some things that someone else can do that you cannot do. Find God's will for your life and don't get your feelings hurt if that's not God's, if, if what you want to do is not what God wanted you to do. So God said, Nathan, go back and tell David, I love him, 
And in fact, I'm going to give him an eternal legacy. But it's not my will for him to build the temple. Nathan went back the next day. He said, David, the Lord appeared to me last night. And he said, he loves you. But it's not his will for you to build a house for him. He said, but you are a godly king and God has promised you an everlasting legacy. You know what David did? He got bitter at Nathan. No, he didn't. Nathan, who's he think he is to tell me that I can't do this? God won't let me do this. No. You know what David did? He went before the Lord and said, oh, God. To even think that you took the time to answer the prophet about my life. To think that you used your prophet to give me direction. And then to think that you promised to me. Who am I, David said, who am I that you should give me an everlasting legacy? That every descendant who would ever sit on this throne will be a descendant of David. By the way, including Jesus Christ himself, who has yet to sit on the throne in Jerusalem, but he will during the millennial reign of Christ after his return. How did Nathan find the will of the Lord for this situation? He lived in fellowship with God. He gave the decision to God. And in advising David, he proceeded in the direction that seemed to him to be the will of God. And then God stepped in and said, well, let me, let me modify that. Let me change that. By the grace of God and with the direction of of, uh, godly pastors and parents from my childhood. That's basically the way I've made the decisions of my life. Now, there have been plenty of decisions where I didn't acknowledge the Lord. And I wound up getting what I asked for. When it came time to go to college, I knew I wanted to go where God wanted me to go. I applied to three different places. I got accepted in all three places. But I didn't know where I was supposed to go. So I ruled one out. I don't know why I ruled that one out. But I took the other two and went to, at that time, Pastor Crichton and uh, with, with my parents. And, and uh, I said, look, been accepted at these two colleges. And I'll never forget Pastor Crichton's answer. He looked at the one. He said, well, he said, I wouldn't send my dog to that college because he would come back dead. And he looked at the other one, which was Hiles Anderson College. He said, if I was going to be a preacher and I was going to college today, that's where I'd go to college. Bang. There was my answer. So I went out. I got, I got direction from the man of God. I made the decision that based upon his answer seemed like the right, the right decision. Now let me say this. I don't think it's the will of God for everybody who is going to college in the future to go to Hiles Anderson College. I didn't say that for that reason. I think it's God's will for maybe somebody in this room, maybe several somebodies, but not everybody. But I will say to you that my choosing of a college made a lot of other decisions for me. You realize if you choose the wrong destination after high school, then the person that perhaps you were supposed to find and marry won't be there when you get there. 
if you don't find the person that God has for you to marry, then the children that you were supposed to have with that person, aren't, they're not going to happen. I mean, you, you can figure all the rest out, right? I'm saying that destination after you finish high school is very, very important. That's a very important decision. It's not a small decision. I'd been in college for a while. In fact, I had graduated from college. I had graduated from college, and a number of my friends were married. I was not married yet. I was not even dating anybody. I got to tell you, up to that time, I hadn't taken dating very seriously. It was almost uh, sort of a nuisance to me. (laughs) I really didn't, you know, I wasted my time. I got things to do. I'm busy. I don't have time for this, uh, you know. And uh, then all of a sudden, I realized I need a wife. All right, and it's just something you gotta have. You know what I mean? That was no, I'm serious. I'm kidding, but um, no, I, I I wanted to find. I knew that God had a girl for me. Uh, I knew she was tall and slender and had dark hair because that's what I prayed for. Um, but uh, I, I prayed and um, I had a plan. Now I, I I overstated myself a little bit. I had been looking the whole time I was in college for the right girl, but I was sure that I hadn't yet found her. And so I said, Lord, I had a place where I went to pray. I went to my place out in the woods and walked with God and said, God, I want you to show me. I want to get this right. Please help me to get this right. And long story, but I made a list of of three girls in order, all right? This is the first girl I'm going after. This is the second girl. If, If she rejects me, I'm going after girl number two. If she rejects me, I'm going after girl number three. I set my sights as high as I could for girl number one, even though I thought I don't have a chance with her. And I'm not just saying this. I really, I thought, man, she's too pretty. She's too classy. She's not even going to give me the time of day. She's going to laugh at me. But I'm, I got to, I, I, I got to give it a shot. (laughs) And. She blew me away, and I didn't, I don't even remember who, honestly, who number two and number three were. But I found God's perfect will for my life. What? Following the same formula that I had followed for the will of God. Came time to start a church. I had some inclinations. I went out at work, and I had a place of prayer at work that I went every day. By the way, You're not going to find the will of God without a whole lot of concentration of prayer. Now, I'd go out every day at 520 was our first break at Rayco Steel. And I went out the back door and I crossed over the railroad tracks. On the other side of the railroad tracks was a forest preserve. And I walked out there a little ways and there was a a field with a, a grassy field out there. And I walk a path in that field the first day. That was about the same distance as that wall to that wall. And I'd walk back and forth for 20 minutes until break time was over. And I'd go back inside. And I went out the next day and I walked and did the same thing. And just back and forth and back and forth. Within a couple of weeks, there was a dirt path out there in that grassy field. Well, I was in a field. It was a lot. And there wasn't any, I wasn't ruining anybody's grass. I mean, it was it was forsaken place. And I went to that place of prayer. And i got to tell you something. I've done that several places in my lifetime. 
And when you wear that path out and then you go and meet God there at that selected time, you hit that path and you can feel yourself stepping into God's presence. But as I walked that path, that pathway had a special purpose because now I was approaching the time when I'd be moving away from Indiana and going to where God would have me start a church. I knew he wanted me to start a church. And I was leaning towards Brewster, New York, but I wasn't sure. But I had a number of requests written on that card. I prayed for God to show me for sure what was the right town. I prayed for God to help us when we got there to find a building to meet in. I prayed for God to show us when was the right time to start. These were all written on my prayer request card. I prayed for Christian people that lived in Brewster, if there were any, for us to uh, find them and help them to grow in the Lord. I prayed for people who were living but were not saved yet, who didn't even know that in just a few years they'd be saved and they'd be coming to our church. I prayed for them. You know, I didn't know it at that time, but I was praying for Angela's family. I didn't know it at that time, but I was praying for Cindy, D'Amico, Melanthe Canals, and her family. I didn't know it at that time, but I was praying for Scott Canals. I didn't know it at that time, but I was praying for Hassan and his brothers and his mother and father and their family. I didn't know it at that time, but I was praying for a, the, the Lincoln Hooker family. I was praying for the Cohen family, all people that lived in Brewster or the Brewster area who came to church and either they got saved or they got, uh, came back to the Lord or they were growing in their faith. Uh, I didn't know it, but I was praying for, for, for those people who didn't even know that there was a guy out in uh, Illinois at, at his break time and work every day walking this path praying for them. And then a prayer that moves me every time I think about it. This is about 1992, two years before we started Calvary Baptist Church in Brewster. I prayed for people every day who were not even born yet, who would come to church and get saved. And I got to tell you, every time I meet, that's, that's 1992, so we're talking anybody 24 years old or less. It moves me in a powerful way when I meet somebody who got saved in our church and, and, and they tell me how old they are and sometimes they'll even say when they were born. Yeah, I was born in 1996 and my mind right away goes to that prayer say, I prayed for you. God brought all the pieces together. God knew every piece of the puzzle for where we would meet, when we would meet, how we, everything that needed to come together, God knew it all and he brought it all together. I'm saying to you, you want to do the will of the Lord for your life. Seek him. God will bring the pieces together. Give every decision to him. Live in fellowship with him. And then proceed in the direction that seems most like his way. And God We'll take it from there. We had something really cool happen this week. The 2009, our camp meeting here, a guy showed up, and I, don't know, I still don't know how he heard about our meeting, but he lived in Albany. He was a man at that time in his 50s. He had just five years before that gotten right with the Lord, and he came to the camp meeting, and he was here at the whole thing, him and his wife, 
and he had a, he had a sharp suit and really sharp shoes that matched his suit and a bow tie and white hair. And he, he sort of, he almost, you know, I remember thinking, what do you, I don't know who you are, what are you doing here? I mean, I met him and introduced him, but I didn't know his story. And um, so this, this past week, well, let me back up. At that camp meeting, God called him. He said he couldn't pastor. He knew he couldn't pastor, but he, God called him to help other people start churches. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. He didn't tell me at the time. I just thought he was some guy that came. And I remember after the meeting was over, they ordered the CDs for the entire conference. But so now let's go back to this Tuesday. Tuesday morning, I'm reading my Bible. And at the fifth verse that I read, bam, I mean, just, whoa, this, this message. I mean, I got out of pen and I wrote it down. It's right here in the margin of my Bible in, in Acts chapter 12. Wow, oh, praise the Lord, that's good. And I had this thought. If I was preaching somewhere tonight, that'd be the sermon I preach. A couple hours later, my phone rang and... It was Pastor Dale Schwartz in Orange, Connecticut. He said, Brother Joe, he said, uh, Pastor Bish is supposed to preach for us tonight. He said uh, he just had to go to the emergency room, and he's not sure that he, he's probably going to spend the night at the hospital. He said, would you be willing to come ready to preach? But he said, would you be willing if he does show up to not preach? And I said, absolutely. I'll come ready to preach, but ready to not preach. I sought the Lord, and <laughs> stupidly, I started going after a couple other messages that I was preached regular, or recently because they were, they were familiar. And God said, hey, 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 remember this morning? Remember, remember, remember? And I said, oh, yeah. If I was going to preach somewhere tonight, I'd preach that. So I got to the church. Pastor Bish did have to spend the night at the hospital, and I, I did, praise the Lord, get to preach. But here was... Here was just the icing on the cake. The man that was here seven years ago at, at our camp meeting was there that night to present his ministry at, at Harbor Light Baptist Church. And he is on his third, having started his third church in the Albany area. He had pictures of them and so forth. They're looking for a pastor for that. It's, a, it's an inner city church in Albany, and they're currently looking for a pastor to fill the pulpit so he and his wife can go and help start another church. And God brought that all together. So how does God do things like that? I'll tell you how God does things like that. You seek the Lord. You give your plans to Him. If you're living in fellowship with Him, you give it to Him and then you proceed in the direction that seems most like His way and He will take it from there. I long for every person in this room to know what it means to follow God's paths for your life. You will never know as great a way as if you will do that. Father, I pray that you'd help us today, please.